Hey guys, what's up? We are back another episode of the Precision Rifle Channel podcast and one of our most popular guests over the past three seasons, Mr. Philip Vallejo. Philip, how are you, brother? What's up, Travis? How you doing, buddy? I'm good. How about yourself? Good, good. Nice. How is everything treating you out in uh, Cody, Wyoming? Uh, surprisingly, the weather's starting to uh, look look like spring. Um but it's always hit and miss in Cody, Wyoming. You know, in uh, next week it could snow because uh, last April it snowed. Um, so, but everything's well. You know, especially with everything going on. Um, surprisingly enough, there's still a little panic. So last week, um, you know, the uh, the stores were a little uh, spread thin. But you know, after going to the store this week, we're you know kind of operating back to normal. Still no TP uh, <laughs> Uh, and hand sanitizer, but, uh, you know, foods uh, back on the shelves and stuff like that. So that's good. Nice. So right now we're recording this podcast. Phillips, obviously in Cody, Wyoming, I'm out here in California. Um, right now we are all dealing nationwide with this COVID-19 virus. And, um, many of us are under a stay at home order or quarantine orders or, or whatever it is. And so, I figured this would be a great time to get a hold of you and nail you down since we're both stuck at home and uh, talk about a couple of things. Um, yeah. One of the things I wanted to talk about is anytime, you know, somebody's grounded, basically, we're all grounded like we're little kids again, right? We all get cabin fever or whatever, uh, go, go stir crazy. And. I wanted to hit you up because you have, you know, really elevated the level of online education through social media. Um, you know, your tips and tricks, your Instagram, your Facebook posts, all of that are phenomenal. And you have an audience worldwide that is always thirsting for more of your knowledge. And so I wanted to take a minute here and pick your brain and see what you thought that we could do as competitors to make sure that our skills stay sharpened during this period where many of us can't go to the range, we can't go out and live fire because um, we're stuck at home. So what do we do? As cliche as it might sound, you know, something that I learned in the Marine Corps, uh, one of the uh, leadership uh, principles was uh, know yourself and seek self-improvement. So I'm just going to go ahead and throw that out there. All right. Yeah. You know, that pretty much says it all. Know yourself and seek self-improvement. So, you know, I would start off by, you know, um, writing down a list of things that, um, you know, uh, your, your, your weakest traits, you know, whether, and, you know, obviously this is in regards to, you know, long range shooting precision rifle podcast. Right. Um, so, you know, whether you're a competitive shooter or you're just an enthusiast listening to this or even just a hunter, right you would essentially look at your aspects of long range shooting that you are um, essentially deficient in. So let's say uh, your fundamentals, right. Um, or your ability to, um, you know, talk to other people about, let's say ballistics, external or internal ballistics. Um, or, uh, you know, let's say that you're, you know, you're a competitive shooter looking to, you know, go back or get, get ready to get to an, a match that opens up after all this stuff's over and jump right in as if, you know, uh, you haven't skipped a beat. So, you know, looking at what things that essentially that you want to work on and then kind of, you know, 
using that as to build like yourself a routine. Uh, and that's kind of what I've been doing here um, <clears throat> uh, recently is, you know, I have a lot of footage and that's why I'm a big advocate of recording yourself. Um, you know, we have a, a great thing called um, smartphones that have uh, the camera and, and video function. It's so funny that uh, people always comment on my videos and like, hey, what camera are you using to, to record all your videos? It's like, <laughs> <laughs> and, and I just want to send them a picture of my phone, you know, it's like right? it's using my phone, you know, um, because, you know, now that I, I mean, now that I've been, you know, really putting myself out there for like the last four or five years, I mean, I've got, I mean, hours of videos, um, so many, so much videos that I had to just throw it up in the cloud already. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, well, with that is, I'm looking at each videos as I'm, let's say, uh, let's say just recently I, I, I took a video and I just kind of, um, spun it up, you know, I'm in, I've been, uh, self-teaching myself premiere pro and, you know, trying to bring to life precision rifle stages. Can, when you just look at it, when you watch someone shoot, it's like, well, what the hell is he doing? You know what I mean? So, you know, um, I took kind of your design of your videos of you having the timer on there, the impacts, um, and, uh, on some of your videos, I think if you do, you do have the uh, target spotter on there right. of the impact. So that's exactly what I did as well as I put my spotter on there. So, you know, I think three pieces of information. And I think that um, that a precision rifle, when you're just looking at it as a, a, a spectator that um, is not able to paint the picture, I think those three pieces of information in a video truly help paint the picture of what a, a person's doing. So that's what I've been doing with my my uh you know lately um on my uh you know Your kind of my down footage yeah uh, but secondary to while i'm watching these videos i'm like picking out things that oh i did this you know what i mean like so i'll write it down okay hey like you know um you know i'm run running the bolt too fast or i'm coming too quickly off the trigger or whatever the case may be so now when i go back to dry fire you know um i can really focus on all right Hey, build a good solid position, check my natural point of aim, whatever the case may be. And then, um, you know, then, you know, kind of just slowly work into that. And um, actually what I want, one thing that I, I, I probably do is a, a how to and um, uh, do's and do nots for dry fire. Um, Cause I see a lot of guys posting up dry fire videos right now, but a lot of them are just so quick. I'm just like pressing that trigger and run the bolt. Right. You know what I mean? There's no exaggeration of, of what that body's going to feel like when that, when that rifle recoils, you know what I mean? And then, you know, kind of that dwell time that most shooters have in between, you know, uh, feeling recoil and what they're doing when they, you know, observe their impact before running the bolt. So, you know, it, it, there's that good old saying, you don't know what you don't know. So yep. when you're watching these videos, if I watch somebody put up a dry fire video, um, I don't necessarily know what I'm looking at as far as it being good or bad. Um, so to speak, cause I'm not, you know, I'm not a teacher, right? I'm just, yep. I'm, I, I'm, I'm an enthusiast just like everybody else. So when you look at a video and you see these guys pulling this trigger, you know, is there a, a step-by-step -step or a, a cadence that people should be dry firing in? Like for instance, when I do pistol, you know, there's a five count draw, you know, yep. so I know each count what I'm supposed to be doing 
And, and then I kind of speed it up based upon what my capabilities are. Is there something like that when you're pulling the trigger, your dry fire, that people should be practicing instead of just running the bolt and slapping that trigger? Yeah, so essentially just going through the motions to go through the motions, right? Right. Uh, that's essentially what people are doing. And that's a great question. Another great question. So, um, yeah, I, I think, you know, anyone that's serious in the profession will start to, you know, peel back the layers of what they're looking for. Um, and, you know, when I look at a video and I see, hey, um, you know, and again, like you said, what they don't know what they don't know. And same thing with me. It's like when I work, watch workout videos, it's like, man, that did, the guy's like, super cool and movements and stuff like that. But I feel like when I'm in the gym, it's like, <laughs> I don't know as he is. Right. Right. Um, but, uh, you know, so I would say, you know, go back to that shooter's checklist. Um, if you have one, if you don't have one, um, you know, I, I don't mean to plug this, but, uh, I just put up a, a shooter's checklist video and I did it because, um, I, I, put, I put up a shooter's checklist video on my YouTube and I did that because everything that's going on right now and, um, I want everyone to that doesn't have one to establish a baseline of of what they could use to essentially have a shooter's checklist uh, with their body prep and getting ready for the rifle. So squaring your hips up, you know, rifle to shoulder connection, all that stuff. It's all in that video. And you know, when you're looking at your dry fire videos, you're kind of slowly breaking that down. It's like, all right, did I do this? Did I square my body up before I uh, touch my rifle? Or did I come straight into the scope first? You know, uh, you know, once I build my shooting position, um, you know, am I coming straight into the scope and then looking for my target? Or as soon as I come into my tar into my field of view, uh, my target's right there. You know what I mean? So those right. small right. things that I can pick out, especially when, you know, a shooter will send me videos. Um, like I've got a couple uh, uh, shooters uh, you know, that I text back and forth and let's say they get done with, with a match. They're like, Hey, um, can you just dis dissect this video for me? And, uh, you know, I'll give them my critiques and, and, uh, something that normally I always point out is when someone goes into the rifle scope too quickly before acquiring the target. Cause as soon as they go into the rifle scope, you can see them start on the hunt looking for that, looking for that target. You know what I mean? So they're just in there scanning and wasting time. You know what I mean? Right. And when they, when they find it, then they've essentially, you know, because of that, their internal clock has kicked, uh, ticked down. They think they're running out of time, so they just kind of settle in that position, and their first couple shots are usually off. You know what I mean? Okay, so that makes sense. So you're looking at every single, every single moment from start to finish. Um, what is your breakdown when you dry fire? What is going through your head? What is your cadence? Um. So, you know, this goes into the um, uh, the conscious competence and unconscious competence that uh, Kaylin and I had just discussed in a podcast. But, uh, you know, when I'm actually going through the cadence of my dry fires, I bring everything into conscious competence, meaning I'm thinking about every single movement that I'm doing, such as, uh, you know, when I get behind my rifle, I'm making sure that I get down perfectly as, I, as square as I can to, you know, the target of the wall that I'm shooting at. When I come down, you know, um, you know, I establish my rifle to check, uh, shoulder to checklist and I'm, I'm doing my eight counts, right? So establish my rifle to shoulder connection, bring my face on the gun to establish my eye relief, right? Um, establish the grip of my shooting hand, establish and make sure that my elbows are perpendicular to the line of bore and that my shoulders are also square with the um 
uh, sh- my shoulders are also square and parallel with my elbows and then uh, position of my non-shooting hand and then you know I adjust my leg placement or my hips one last time and then once I prep my body then I go ahead into my rifle checklist which is essentially making sure my guns are oriented to the target my dope is set my parallax my magnification and then I go through my breathing cycle right and what my breathing cycle is telling me is if my natural point of aim is off right so I take and 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 I'm a mouth breather by trade so if you ever watch me and just like with my mouth open it's not because I'm surprised it's because that's just what I how I how I look Uh, but I use that to my advantage so that when I'm on the gun, what I like to do is I like to take essentially three deep breaths, right? Um, and you know that you have good rifle to shoulder connection and that you're not relying on your rear bag is when you're taking deep breaths and you should see, you should be able to see that reticle move straight up and down along the Y axis without any uh, jerky movement to the left or right. Does that okay. make sense? No, that absolutely. Absolutely. Mean- that means that I'm completely square with that rifle, and the only thing that I want to see is that movement of that reticle move straight up and straight down. And this might be a light bulb moment for some people, like holy crap, you know. Um, but you know, so that's what I'm I'm doing. I'm 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 going through my breathing cycle. I'm taking deep, exaggerated breaths so to make sure that I have a good established rifle to shoulder connection. And then uh, I close my bolt, go to my natural respiratory pause, and apply my 90 degree you know, trigger press. And then after, you know, that, that rifle breaks or the sear breaks, then I'm mentally counting in my head, you know, one or two seconds, you know, because that's really the amount of time it takes for the rifle to recoil, for the bullet to head down range, for me to make my, uh, uh, observe my shot and then make a, a adjustment if I need to, or, or, or measure an adjustment if I need to, then run the bolt, and apply the same exact thing. Now, then I go at that point, go through my shooter cycle of operations of running the bolt, uh, follow through recoil, recovery, making adjustments, or whatever the case might be. So, when you're going through this process, you're talking about seeing, you know, the target going vertically or up your uh, your y-axis in your reticle, right? Yep. So, what does it mean if your target kicks off left or right? What does that mean as far as the rifle placement in your shoulder? Good question. Uh, so usually there's so two things that happen. Uh, so the, the the three things that you should see or that normal people see. Let me let me take a step back. There's three things that I've noticed um, during my instruction of uh, you know diagnosing breathing techniques. Uh, one is if you're applying good natural point of aim and everything's squared up, you know, to bipods and stuff like that. Is that again you're moving straight up and down the y-axis. Now, if you're moving at an angle, so as you take a deep breath in, so as you take a deep breath in, what happens to that reticle is it should drop down. Right. right. And then as you exhale, that reticle should climb back up. Okay. So as you, um, as you take a deep breath in, if your reticle is moving down at an angle to the left or to the right, that means that you have, incur- you have an angle built somewhere in your shooting position, right, stemming from your, uh, your elbows or your shoulders, that's creating that angle. Okay. So, right? so the very first thing that I diagnose is my, my elbows and okay. then my shoulders. That's what I was going to ask. Is you, you adjust the elbows or the shoulders first? Elbows first. Okay. So elbows go first and then the shoulders. Okay. So now let's say you have that vertical, that, that vertical Y axis and your target straight in there. And let's say we're live fire now yep. and you break that shot. 
and all of a sudden you come off target? Good question. So if I now I'm in live fire and I come off target, right? So um, one thing that I always also say is um, once you square up and everything, you say that you squared up. I mean, you're as square as you can get. You bring that rifle as metal as you can get. The hardest angle to always get rid of is the displacement of your head pushing against the buttstock of that rifle, right? right? Because right. our neck is in the way, right? To truly bring that rifle as close to, um, I'm laughing right now because I'm I'm like watching myself talk. I talk really a lot <laughs> with my hands, and uh, someone pointed that out in one of my videos. But uh, no, so you know, with our neck being in the way, it doesn't allow us to essentially get truly behind that rifle square. So we we have a small little, I said, uh, pressure pushing that rifle down for a right-handed shooter down to the right. Does that make Correct. sense? Absolutely. And, and the left-handed shooter, right, you're, you're usually pushing, pushing that down rifle left. down to the left. Okay. Now, you see this a lot on bigger calibers and lighter frames or, you know, 308s or, you know, three, hunting rifles. Hunters really have a problem with this is staying on target after the shot breaks because usually hunters have smaller rifles um, and, and bigger calibers. So really, you know, at that point, what what's happening is when that rifle recoils, it's taking the path of least resistance. Well, the path of least resistance usually at that point is the pressure that you're putting against your buttstock, right, uh, down and to the right, which is now translating into your scope or your barrel high and left. Right, because it's the opposite of where it's it, traveling. Exactly. So how do we combat this? Um, so how do we manage recoil more effectively? Uh, number one is, you know, the very first thing that I always uh, like to go with is, um, one, making sure that you've established a good rifle to shoulder connection and that you've got a good load into your bipods. Number two is uh, making sure that you're applying rearward pressure of that rifle back into your shoulder. And cause what we want is we want that rifle to recoil straight back, not down and at an angle. Right. Now, okay. I, I hate to interrupt you, but this may yep. seem like a completely stupid question. How yep. much pressure are you putting into your stock? Great question. So um, it depends on the, the it, honestly, I, I run each caliber a little differently. Um, you know, for a six mil, honestly, there's probably not much pressure at all because, you know, there's, there's barely, on uh, my there's competition, no fence, there's no recoil, right? And there's, I'm not having any issues coming off target. Now, with uh, a, a bigger frame, like a 300 Win Mag, um, let's just say that if I took an aluminum can um, that was empty, <coughs> uh, if I took an aluminum can that was empty and I squeezed it, I should be able to, when I let go, it go back to its same properties, right, um, rather than being crushed. Does that make sense? No. So, like, if you if you took an aluminum cam that was empty and you crushed it, right, would it be able to bounce back? No. All right, but if you held it and you kind of squeezed it a little bit, right, and it started to dimple in, right. but then when you let it pop back. It popped back. Okay, gotcha. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, so that's essentially the, the amount of pressure that I'm applying, right? So not overly, like, crushing it, right, but a nice, you know, gentle, um, you know, firm. Squeeze. Yeah, squeeze. Okay. Um, and, and, and then the number three is, uh, playing with the amount of pressure that I'm, uh, using with, uh, my, uh, with my cheek. And again, guys, you know, one thing that I, I always, I always tell shooters is like, 
depending on the application that you have, you're you either between a, a cheek weld or a jaw weld. And in the Marine Corps, one thing that we taught were cheek welds because, um, you know, when you're in a sniper position and stuff like that, you're, you might be on the gun for long uh, extended periods of time. So, you know, one thing that we had our students do is set that rifle up so that when, if you could literally fall asleep on that rifle, close your eyes, take a deep breath in or t- close your eyes, kind of relax and then, you know, go get to a position where you're falling asleep. And then when you open your eyes, you should have a good sight picture. That That is how you know that you're not straining any part of your body to get a good sight alignment, sight picture. Does, right. does that kind of make sense? No, absolutely. Now, for competitive shooters, one thing that I found when I transitioned over to the competitive side of shooting is like, these guys aren't going to be sitting on the gun for 24 hours, Right. So there's no necessity for them to have to essentially build a shooting position or their their rifle like a, a sniper, right? So what I mean by that is um, all my rifles, since I've transitioned from the Marine Corps, I've actually lowered all my cheek pieces because what that has helped with is me to get a better um, cheek weld and alternate shooting positions, right? That doesn't disturb my sight picture, Um you know, when I'm in an alternate shooting position, such as sitting, standing, or kneeling. Okay. Because what, what happens is, as my, my head now going to the ergonomics of your face, if you guys can picture this, obviously the, the more erect you are, your head, the, the position of your head is changing, which is also changing the distance of your eyeball away from the scope, uh, which is also changing the, the geometry of, of how your face is interfacing with that rifle. So, what I've noticed is with usually with a high cheek cheek riser, um, as if I was building a sniper rifle uh, and going to be in that position for a while, when I got into like the standing position, I was forcing my cheek down just to get a good sight picture. So you're putting Again, unnecessary downward pressure. Exactly. And that unnecessary down, downward pressure would translate into what? Into my scope. Into a missed shot and you're going to push high right or high left or... Oh, uh, uh, yeah. So... Um, uh, a missed shot or increased wobble zone. Okay. Right. And and that is something actually that I learned from uh, Scott Satterley um, unintentionally. You know, what I mean by unintentionally is uh, we were at a Rock Lake match and uh, he was showcasing one of his rifles off a of barricade. And um, I got behind it and I was like, man, his jaw, his, his cheek riser is super low. <laughs> But I like it because, like, I have no wobble right now. <laughs> <laughs> so then I was like, I'm going to try this. And, you know, I talked to him about it. I was like, dude, you don't you don't run a cheek weld, do you? He's like, no, I run a jaw weld. And then, you know, we talked about it. So then uh, th- when I went home uh, that, that weekend, I, I dropped all my cheek pieces. And it's been, it's been, a, it's been a big difference ever since. Um, so, you know, because, again, in the prone, I'm only, um, you know, uh, in the prone for no more than two minutes, three minutes on a stage for as a competitive shooter, right? right. Um, and, and I would say, you know, if, if you have a hard time keeping your neck at that angle, I would definitely recommend, you know, uh, keeping it higher because what you're doing is you're allowing that cheek piece to kind of rest your face on there until you build enough kind of strength in your, in your head to kind of keep your head propped up. Does that make sense? Yeah, because uh, I know I, I know it defies you know the the, the concept of muscular relax, relaxation that we teach as fundamentalists. But you have to have that muscle strength to hold up your head, or you have to have something to rest your head to get that sight picture. Yeah, yeah. So, 
Okay, so that 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 makes sense for sure. Now, when you're dry firing at home, do you like what is your your routine? Do you pick a you know, a lot of us, I don't know if you have it at home. I don't. I don't have props at my house. I, you know, I have them at yeah. the shop or whatever. But now that I'm quarantined, I'm finding myself having to shoot off or dry fire off <laughs> of uh, basically our furniture, right? Yeah. Or a, a chair or my countertop or, or whatever it is. Um, when you're doing these dry firings, um, is there a certain amount of repetitions that you take? Are there certain props or certain items in the house that you could kind of recommend? Or what do you use at home? I use a just a tripod. Um, I use my tripod and I turn it into a little tack table and I just practice position. Uh, so my positioned heights. So I use a, a tripod. Sorry about that. I use a tripod and um, I, I practice essentially my baseline height. So sitting, kneeling, and standing. Um, one thing that I found is I don't like to use um, wobbly barricades. Uh, so like I see people using step ladders and stuff like that, which is fine if you've, if you've got. But one thing that I've noticed, especially when you're trying to shoot a target too small or especially a, a target, um, and this is just this is just me, you know, because uh, th- there's going to be people that say, well, what if you've got a target? You know, what if you got a barricade that's super wobbly? Well, hopefully the match director at least didn't give you all wobbly barricades. Um, but when you have a wobbly barricade, you've got that now induced mechanical wobble just because of the barricade, right? right. Not including your own individual, you know, um, instability. And then what happens, especially when people are trying to focus too much on a small target, when they build that repetition over time, now all they're doing is they're they're learning how to time their shot. Okay. Does that does that make sense? Yeah. So they're practicing trying to time their shot on a, a you know a, on a, a you know crazy instability position because you know their reticle is probably dancing all over the place because they're trying to figure out how to get their 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 barricade stable as well as them stable. Well, if you have a stable barricade, you've already got that one variable out the way. Right? right, so let's just focus on our shooter instability, right, so that we can get that reticle as as comfortable as we can on that target and what we deem is acceptable, right, and then focus on a good clean trigger press, rather than fight both the barricade or you know prop wobble and then our wobble and then be like, oh, that's good enough now, <laughs> right? Because right? what that's what I see shooters do all the time. They're like, oh, right there now, and then oh, right there now. And they, they, I mean, they do all those dry fires in the head. Now, when they, when they're actually practical application happens, or they're they're actually live firing, all I see them doing is trying to time their shot. Um, and and the way I know that is because you can see their trigger finger literally just running at that trigger to slap it. Makes sense. So you know, kind of, you know, getting out of that habit of I need to time my shot here. You know. Um, there's always ways to, um, you know, and go. This is going back to the shooter's checklist um, of that body check prep uh, checklist. I call it also a diagnostic tool, right? So you know how you you get like the the user manuals where it's like, hey, uh, the troubleshooting steps. If right. like, if uh, you have problems with this, then do X Y Z. So for instance, if if my wobble zone is you know uh, horrendous, meaning like I'm not even like I've got my target, but my you know let's say my 
my uh, my sight picture always is driving just over to the left side of that target that automatically tells me my natural point of aim is off. So the very first thing that I need to do is re-square my hips to the target. Does that make sense? Right, okay, so, so I'm going back. Why are you re-squaring your hips to the target now instead of your elbows? What's that? Why would you be re-squaring your hips versus your elbows? Well, so now I'm, I'm encountering something different, right? So that was breathing. Right. Now I'm encountering where my, my, my reticle isn't even hovering over the target. It's hovering to the left of the target. Okay. Does that so make that's sense? that's shifting your whole body over now. That, that means my natural point of aim is off. Gotcha. Right. If my natural point of aim is off, it's not. It's usually not stemmed from your elbows or your shoulders. It's usually stemmed from your hips. Gotcha. So you shift your hips, or you or you slide over completely. That's right. Okay. And then reset. Yep. And then let's say I've done that, and then you know I'm I'm still my reticles, you know, still kind of playing all over the place. All right. Let me adjust um, the. Let me adjust, you know, the grip of my shooting hand. Maybe I can place it like this or put this much pressure on it. Maybe that will help tighten up my wobble zone. Okay, that, that was a little better. Now let me uh, see how the position of my non-shooting hand gripping the foreign of this rifle. Uh, maybe, you know, whether I put it on top of the scope or on the side, maybe that might help tighten up this wobble zone, right? right. So I'm going back to my shooter's checklist as a diagnostic tool to um, uh, identify you know, what I can do to strengthen my shooting position. So what's really cool about this is as I pick your brain more and more, and it seems like once a year, you and I always talk about these type of topics. It's interesting to me because a lot of guys go out there um, who've been maybe hunting their entire life since they were kids. And they think that because they've been shooting for 10, 15, 20 years, whatever it is, that they can go out and compete and be competitive. And then when they're not, they get frustrated, right? But a lot of the fundamentals that you're talking about, most guys don't know, don't understand, or don't know how to correct, which is why it's so important to get proper training. Yeah, I, I would say um, 100 miles in the wrong directions is a waste of time. Um I, I I think I learned that from Chris Way on one of your guys' podcasts. That he, that, <laughs> I think and, so. I think he said something like that. And uh, I, I I think that it's like I mean that is so that that is so true in the sense that um, you know everyone that knows gun most of my students and Gunworks you know customers were um, they're a lot of older gentlemen and they're a lot a lot of them are very successful hunters. Right. And. Um, you know, a lot of them been hunting a lot longer than I've been alive. <laughs> so biggest barrier that I always have initially is getting over the fact that I'm, um, you know, 13 years old, <laughs> just kidding. Um, but, uh, no, just, 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 uh, essentially, you know, showing them, Hey, uh, these are what, uh, tools that I have used that have made me successful with the initial foundation of training that I was trained upon. And then ex essentially expanded a pound uh, upon that, right? So essentially, you know, what I hopefully try to do through through class or whatever is to give you a baseline of of hey, this is you know um, now you know what you should know, right? Right? You know, and then always revert back to okay, well, you know, 
if if I'm if I'm all jacked up, I can always go back to my baseline of fundamentals or whatever the case might be. And what I found, especially with how how rapidly growing this sport is, is that there's no baseline to fall back on. And and what I mean by that is a lot of the fundamentals of marksmanship, you know, yeah, fundamentals are fundamentals, um, and and people use that as a punchline. But then some people that even say that don't even really know what the fundamentals are. Right. True. Um, and, and all of it is just a regurgitation of what they've probably read online or whatever the case may be. Um, and, you know, right now we're doing a bunch of curriculum development. And uh, I found out that, you know, um, after talking to Kalen, uh, a fundamentals of marksmanship class, just the class itself could easily be a four to six hour discussion. Absolutely. Right. Um, but that is like, no one wants to sit in class for fundamentals of marksmanship for six hours. Right. And I don't want to do that to you as a student. You know what I mean? It's like, okay, now how can I chop this down to an hour and a half and then use the other hour and a half for external ballistics and then three hours for shooting? You know what I mean? Right. Because if, if I just taught you six hours of fundamentals of marksmanship, guess what? You ain't coming back. (laughs) (laughs) Probably not. Yeah. And and you're giving me a super shitty review, whatever the case. So, you know, that's a challenge for me now as an instructor to figure out, okay, how can I, how can I streamline this into an hour and a half, right? If he's only coming to me for a day or two days so that we can maximize our range time. Um, so, you know, uh, what Kaylin and I have been talking about is, uh, cause I know, I think uh, Jacob Bynum does it is uh, a fundamentals of uh, marksmanship video series, just focusing on the fundamentals and dissecting every fundamental down to the nitty gritty, right? Rather than just saying, Hey, this is what natural point of aim is. Close your eyes, take a deep breath in, exhale, open your eyes, and you should be on target. Because that's the generic, like, hey, that's, regurgitation of what's right. Yeah, it's even in the sniper manuals of what what I was taught. You know what I mean? And there's you know people out there that are just regurgitating that I shouldn't say trash, but not diving deeper back into you know what what it truly means. They're just and, touching the surface of it. Exactly. Um, so, you know, every, you know, so if you look at kind of the fundamentals of marksmanship kind of series or, you know, the topic, I mean, it covers really a lot of things, you know, mechanics of your firing hand, um, you know, uh, mechanics of your non, non-firing hand, uh, what the shooter does, you know, uh, in his, um, I don't know, uh, cycle of operations or his, his dwell time. Jeez, I'm just really popular today. Um, <laughs> That's all good. Well, I remember a few years ago before you moved up to Cody, you had come over to the house and we were hanging out and we spent, I would say almost an hour, hour and a half, just setting up one of my rifles to my body. Yep. And we went through and we tested everything from my cheek, uh, my cheek position, my length of pull, my side alignment, my scope distance. I mean, the whole nine yards. And... I mean, just setting up the rifle properly so that you can be successful at a match. I mean, that was an hour, hour and a half for just just you and I hanging out at the house. So when you look at that and you see guys go out there and not understand what they're doing, but they spend all of this money in uh, getting into the sport or, or, or buying the hottest, greatest gear, gadget, caliber, whatever it is, um, it's truly not doing them any good if they don't have those fundamentals, right? 
Yeah, it, and and I would I would ultimately say it, it depends on the style of shooting that you want to adopt, right? And and what I mean by that is you know when you look at very 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 top level competitive shooters, Tate Schreeder, John Pinch, Jake Vibbert, all those guys up there. Um, and when I was squatted with them, I watched them, and we all you know, <clears throat> John and I shoot pretty similar. Uh, you know, uh, mainly because we come from a very pra- practical hunting background. Um, and then Jake Bibbert, uh, you know, we, we're all on the same page. And then uh, some of the other guys that I've shot with, you know, they shoot completely different than than I w- how I would drive the rifle. Uh, I would say that the foundation of fundamentals are saying they've got good follow through, they've got good target acquisition, squaring their hips up and stuff like that. But, you know, just some of the other aspects of how they're driving the rifle, it's, um, I wouldn't normally do with a hunting rifle, if that makes sense. Right. Um, so, you know, I would say that that's the very first thing that you have to ask yourself. It's like, Hey, what, what do you want to accomplish with, uh, you know, your shooting style? Do you want to be more of a competitive shooter or you want to be more of a, you know, um, well-rounded rifleman, right? Cause I'm going to point you, you know, in the direction of being a more well-rounded rifleman than a competitive shooter, right? Cause you know, I'm going to throw it out there. Competitive, most comp- a lot of competitive shooters, um, you know, like the free recoil, you know that <laughs> right. <laughs> I hate free recoil. Um, and, um, you know, going back to what we had talked, you know, especially when I was, uh, in your, cl- uh, helping you out with your rifle, um, what was strange about you was many things. Uh, <laughs> well, it, you've got, you've got, uh, a lot of physical handicaps because of, uh, you know, your injury. Yeah, um, broken collarbones and yep. broken arms. And it was good for me as an instructor because now it gave me, uh, it, it gave me ways to, again, dive deeper into assessing, okay, how can I take him and still apply the same exact thing I want him to attain with these X, Y, and Z um, uh, limitations, right? Right. Rather than be like, oh, you're just, you're just all jacked up. Um, and, and I've, I've heard instructors say that surprisingly or not, um, you know, and, and it, that's why I, I don't know, I'm very passionate about, you know, being considered a teacher over an instructor, uh, because, you know, the last thing that I want to do is regurgitate someone else's, um, information, right? I want to have, make sure that I have a deeper understanding myself that I've figured out and found my, found my own truth, um. It's funny when I say that. It's like so. It's like so like millennial and hipsterish. <laughs> fine room. Um, Enlightenment. But, uh, yeah, but uh, you know, I, I liked working with you because again, it, it made me it made me have to think about how I can get you to still be uh, still be comfortable. Uh, still, you know, when you when you press your shot, still. Uh, you know, be able to come back on target. And then essentially when you got behind your rifle that you were still comfortable. Right. No, and I absolutely. think we made, we made a lot of changes to your length of pull. We made changes to your, um, your hourly, pretty much just the main areas of rifle setup. Right. Yes. Um, Cause we didn't, we didn't really get to shoot too much. It was just the main setup. And then, you know, I think uh, we didn't get too much uh, live time, live time shooting just because uh, you were always the guy with the camera. True, very true. But I did notice after we set up my rifle, the way that we had worked on it that night, things became, they were a little bit awkward for me at first because of the fact that I was used to my setup before you and I had worked together. So it took me a little bit time to kind of get adjusted to everything. But once I did, it became very natural and um, 
easy for for lack of a better term. I wasn't trying to fight my rifle to get a sight picture or a sight alignment or get comfortable. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So all of the, you know the the time that we took to make it custom or to you know make the ergonomics of the rifle work with the ergonomics of you know my my messed up collarbone and my broken wrists and so on and so forth really made it comfortable so I didn't have to fight it later on and I didn't have to worry about it when I did compete. Yeah, I think um I think we we first worked on your XLR. It was yeah, XLR and then the KRG after that I think. Yep. And then uh, I think uh, you just ended up adjusting some of the stuff that you could with like the J Allen and 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 stuff like that. Right. And basically um, what I did is I took that XLR and I used it as a template for mm-hmm. how I set up all of my other rifles. Yep. So I try to measure out the same length of pull, same cheek right uh, cheek height. Uh, this, you know, I put my scope in the same position. So I just took what you and I did together and essentially mimicked it with every rifle thereafter. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Um, that, that's uh, first world problems when you have to. <laughs> when, when you're not all the same platform, you have to figure out right. When you when you have like all the same like KRG is like oh I I'm collapsed all the way and this is where my this is where my cheek hyzer goes but you know it's part of my job to test out different equipment man <laughs> no I think it's good I, you know I I uh, I do like I enjoy um, testing out other uh, um, uh, shooters or just companies products you know because I was just having a conversation with um, a, a, a Cerakote artist about this but i mean you're you're literally you're working with someone else's what their idea of art is you know what i mean you know my my art is i would say uh fundamentals and you know the the uh, art of long-range shooting and being able to maximize your uh body position capability to maximize the effective use of a modern day precision rifle you know what i mean right uh and you know, I enjoy shooting a Manor Stock, Foundation, McMillan. Um, they all have different, you know, they all feel differently. Um, they all react differently. They all react differently. They're all set up differently. And, uh, you know, and, and, and again, the, the, the company KRG, XLR, um, who am I missing that support? Uh, MPA. MDT. Uh, MDT. You know, these companies you know, not only are they, you know, great companies, but one thing that you always see them doing is giving back to the sport. And that's one thing that I can't stress enough is, is always finding, um, you know, especially if you're listening to this and you're new getting into the, uh, the industry or the, the sport is find the companies that are already supporting and giving back to the community. Yes. That's um, huge. It's just a, it's just a, a never ending, uh, cycle. That's huge. So, Another thing I wanted to ask you, and I don't know if you've ever thought about this or whatnot, but I know that you work out, you try to stay physically fit the whole nine yards. I was recently at a match where uh, we had to go from a prone position into a kneeling or a sitting uh, position and then back to prone and back and forth and back and forth, right? And during those transitions, I hadn't shot a center fire rifle in almost a year because of the NRL because of work. Right. So I was super excited. I went to this match and 
I put forth a little bit too much energy and I ended up hurting a muscle or pinching a nerve rather in my back. So after that, you know, something that really occurred to me is a lot of people may not look at precision rifle as a physical sport, but it truly is. I mean, we're carrying around, you know, packs that are 20 to 40 pounds. You Some people are carrying around 25 pound rifles, you know, 10 pound uh, tripod spotting scope, you know, setups the whole nine yards. We carry a lot of gear with us and then we go into untraditional positions for some of these different courses of fire. Is there, when you exercise, um, especially for some of the competitors that are older, is there certain exercises that you do to strengthen up your core skills for a precision rifle? Um, you're not going to like this, and I freaking hate them too, but burpees. Burpees? Um, yeah. So, uh, I mean, burpees is the perfect uh, execution or movement of getting into the prone position. That right. makes sense. You, you, know, you put your rifle down, you kind of squat down, you kick your legs out, right, and you do like a modified push-up. Well, right. I would say that that is... That is the way in which I teach a building a shooting position. You know what I mean? So the burpee is essentially, you know, the first step of your, your prepping your body in the prone to get into position. Okay. Um, so burpees, um, uh, flexibility is huge, um, in terms of, uh, you know, getting into, uh, positions. I see a lot of shooters, um, you know, when they could easily go to a double kneeling or go to a sitting position, they can't. Uh, because they, you know, they're unflexible, so they re revert to a double kneeling, like a low double kneeling. Right. You know, what I mean? um, you know, my thing is, especially in a practical situation, it's like, why stand when I can kneel? Why kneel when I can sit? Why sit when I can prone out? Um, you know, and the lower you get to the ground, the more you're you're maximizing your surface area contact. Um, and, you know, with the sitting position you know, you're still establishing, you know, uh, rear elbow support in both, if, you know, if you've got a good cross, if you can cross legged sit, uh, in your, in the crooks of your, your knees. And, um, you know, I, I recently talked to a, a shooter, uh, um, that had uh, messaged me on, uh, Instagram about, you know, Hey, do you ever see the NRL or PRS going to more physical fit sport, um, event? And, and I would say that, um, you know, remember that the NRL and the PRS is a, a, uh, individual shooting sport where m you're mostly shooting while you're there. Right. Right. Rather than doing the other activities of, of shooting that there's definitely matches designed to kind of break your ass. Right. Yeah. This competition, competition dynamics. dynamics. Yeah. Right. Um, and, you know, I just told him, I just educated, like, hey, like, you know, you start putting physical, you know, activities, like, let's be honest, not, not too many people are going to sign up, right? That are Chris currently, Way will be there. Oh, what's that? Chris Way will be there. Chris Way will be, uh, will be there. <laughs> you know, some people that, you know, probably aren't looking to get a workout on the weekend just to shoot. Um, but unknowingly, they are getting a workout in, right? Because at the end of the day, I would say that I'm both mentally and physically exhausted at the end of uh, For sure. a shoot. Right. For, for sure. Um, you know, one thing I do, I like matches uh, that require you to build um, your position on the clock, right. especially the prone position. Right. Because, again, that's getting down, you know, from starting from standing to get down. 
that's that that that's a tough feat for some people. It is, right? It is. Um, and then you know, moving from barricade to barricade, it's like especially with a twenty, you know, thirty pound rifle. Um, so you know, burpees. You know, um, I would say definitely uh, get a, a nice little ru- uh, ruck in every now and then, like a thirty minute walk with just your shooting pack. Everything that's in your shooting pack, you don't have to obviously sling your rifle. I, I think that's unnecessary. Uh, but just get used to carrying that weight, especially, you know, when you travel more out west. Um, for you know, I've been I've been to matches all across. I think the only uh, match I haven't been to is in the northeast. But you know, if you do any walking, kind of walking, you do most of the walking out west, right? right. Where stages are, you know, anywhere from uh, 100 to 200 yards away from each other. You know, the further east and, and east you get, right, the stages are more more like five yards from each other, right. you know, and, and people are rolling around in carts and stuff like that. But, um, you know, I, I I think most of the guys out west, are, they're in, in pretty decent shape because a lot of them are hunters, you know what I mean? A lot of them are already used to this terrain and, and stuff like that. So, but I would say if you're, if you're looking to get into it, um, definitely, you know, throw on a pack, you know, once a weekend. You do it do it now while we're you know if, if you can go outside your house for a nice little jog just take your everything that's in your shooting pack normally just go for a nice little walk to get used to that weight on your back or you can just go up and down your stairs a bunch of times yeah, yeah. Or, and, or do a bunch of lunges yeah very cool so two more questions i know we're, we're almost up here um first i wanted to to ask you how is your training coming and what challenges have you found in teaching Zoe, your daughter, precision rifle? Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, so training's going well. So, you know, with, with training Zoe, so the very first thing that, you know, I wanted to make sure to do, I did with Zoe is that, um, she was, uh, you know, open to shooting. Um, I didn't want to force her into something that she didn't want to get into. You know what I mean? Um, so, you know, she definitely wanted to, uh, come out and I think the first couple of times I took her out, you know, I, I dialed everything for her and, and whatever. I just, you know, wanted to make her feel good. I think that we do that. I think typically for everyone that we want to get into the sport, you know what I mean? That's just like, I think, you know, when you, when you break it down, it's like, you know, you, you get behind someone on a rifle, you dial everything for them. They press the trigger, boom, impact. I mean, that usually just sets in, right. Um, that kind of, that therapeutic feeling of shooting something super or that satisfying feeling of shooting something super, super far. Confidence. And then, um, and then, you know, the next time we went out to the range, I was like, okay, um, I'm going to, let's, let's focus on the safety aspects of, of long range shooting and, and handling a, a, a firearm, you know, especially a rifle. So we went through the safety and then, you know, I talked to her about, Hey, when you pick it up, if you can pick it up, you know, you want to make sure that barrel comes straight up in the air or if you can put it down to the ground <clears throat> and I, you know, I explained it, I was like, you know, star Wars, you know, you know, the lightsaber, imagine if this was Yoda's lightsaber at the end of this. And if you accidentally swing it, <clears throat> it's an infinity lightsaber and just cuts <laughs> everyone in half. And she, she understood. Right. So, you know, I, I, I would, I would say, you know, uh, understanding that, you know, safety, um, teaching her safety, and then getting down into, I think what I was teaching her now was kind of just how to get behind the rifle. Um, you know, how to, you know, when you get behind the rifle, hey, this is where your uh, 
you know, go, going back to that body checklist, say, this is how you get behind it. You establish your shoulder connection. She's left-handed. So she does everything a lot opposite. <laughs> and, uh, I was still kind of dialing everything for her. And then once, you know, once I get her comfortable of getting behind the rifle and stuff like that, then I think, you know, my next transition with her is, um, is understanding how long range works. So like what the scope function's doing, um, you know, what like mills are and stuff like that. Cause right now we're still trying to get through decimals and, and fractions in fifth grade. Math. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, I mean, it's, it's bad enough to even teach a, a 60, you know, 67 year old sometimes what MOA and mills are. Um, you know, so now to teach 11 year olds, it's, I would say that it's definitely given me a lot of patience, uh, teaching Zoe, uh, because anyone that knows anything about teaching, uh, you know, a relative, anything, you know, it's tough, right? Um, a loved one is way harder than a stranger. Yeah. Yeah. I remember when, when, uh, you had me, uh, uh, critique, uh, Brittany for a little bit, you know, uh, walk, talk, talk with Brittany. And uh, I just remember you guys kind of going at it. I was like, oh, <laughs> well, I mean, Nicole's the same way, right? right? It's like, I can't tell Nicole anything. But if, I mean, if you were to say the exact same thing that I said, she'd be like, okay. Pretty much. Yep, pretty much. All right, brother. Well, we have surpassed our hour and there's still a ton that I would love to, to talk to you about. So we're going to have to end this one, but we'll have to pick it up again soon. Um, yep. I mean... Every year, I mean, obviously you and I talk, you know, almost every, you know, every week. But um, since the last time you were on the show, your success in the community and what you're doing as far as education and working with with uh, not only Gunworks, but Kaylin and, and the other associates that you have. Um, I'm super proud of everything that you've accomplished Um you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm super happy for you and I wish you all the best of luck. And I, I can't wait to see you at your match and other matches this year. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. Um, uh, the, it's the least that I can do to um, give back to the sport. I think, you know, uh, the, I think there, there was like a, you probably didn't see it. There's a dumpster fire on Facebook the other, the other week. And it was, it. A, it was a guy bashing on the competitive shooting sport and, and, uh, you know, stuff like that really, it, it really takes me off. Right. Especially yeah. considering, you know, the background that I came from and the, on the, you know, tactical side for, for instance, but you know, what this community has done for me, right. The least that I can do is, you know, do what I'm doing by educating and giving back with what I can on the platform I can. And I love doing it. You know what I mean? I love interacting with, with shooters and, you know, I, I still have, I have a lot of good mentors from this community, uh, yourself, Solomon, James Jeffries. Um, Hold you know, on, you say James Jeffries, his head just got like 10 times bigger, bro. <laughs> all, the, all the SoCal guys, Ben, Glenn. Um, yes. Uh, and, uh, you know, the, the, those guys are all family to me, you, your family, Brittany. And, Likewise. Uh, yeah, so, you know, I, 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 I'm always an advocate for the sport and anyone that wants to talk bad on it, you know, you, you're, you're, you're coming to see me first. So there you go. There you go. Well, we appreciate the support. We wish you guys the best of luck. Send our love to, to Zoe, the family. I think I saw Ben running around in the back. Tell him I said, what's up. Yep. Um, and until next time, man, we'll, you know, we'll see you guys at the range. Keep shooting, be safe, have fun. And, and, uh, you know, keep we'll your keep, face on the gun, keep your face on the gun. And, 
check out Philip on all his social media. We'll have links and plugs to his Facebook, Instagram, all that stuff um, in the description below. So make sure you go check him out. Because if you don't know who he is, you guys are, are, are missing out on some valuable knowledge. So love you guys. Uh, appreciate you more than you ever know, Philip. And uh, you guys be safe. Take care.